0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, If you're listening to us, and how you listening to us. Thank you for making the sport and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And I hope all of you are well and safe, as I say every week. And how are you, my man?
1: Hanging, man. It's dealing with this rain up here. It's, uh, it's one of those uh, dreary days I just kind of want to, I wanted to go back to bed before I got out.
0: Yeah, like, like down here in Florida, it's sunny now, but it rained. We had, a, we had a couple of days of rain down here as well, but we needed it to kind of, I guess, cool us off. If, But in Florida, when it rains, then the sun comes out, so you're really not cooling yourself off.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so speaking of things getting cooled, I want to talk about college football, and a lot of teams got cooled off, but a lot of teams started to heat up Over this weekend, especially with the return of the Big Ten, your favorite conference in all of football.
1: Yeah, yeah, something like that. Arrived (laughs) this
0: Yeah, something like that. I didn't get the full notes on it, but that's what I was told in production. But (laughs) but give us your thoughts on college football and some of the things that you saw.
1: Uh well like you said, so the Big Ten is has made their uh big return. So a couple teams played some some shit teams. And they're already slated to win the national title for beating up uh, some scrub programs. Um, somehow they're ranked in the top ten after only playing one game against one nobody. But, you know, it's, that's sooner or there. That's the bias of the Big Ten and Kirk Herb Street. Uh, Wisconsin lined up against Illinois. You know, that was a very tough battle for Wisconsin and, you know, blew them out of the water. Uh, let's see her... Uh, Ohio State played Nebraska. That was a doozy. You know, Nebraska's a very tough team. So, you know, I'm sure they played through some great resilience and all the banter that they usually uh, give Ohio State and already predicted them to win the national title. Uh, you know, Penn State, and the joke that they are, got upset by Indiana. I'll just let that fester. Uh, Miami struggled against Virginia, almost lost to them. Uh Michigan played Minnesota uh, you know th- just you know just just kind of circling through of course uh, some of the more important games um, you had Alabama and Tennessee play and and Alabama did what Alabama does uh, Notre Dame got to beat up on Pittsburgh you know this is a very uh, how do you want to call it like lackluster uh, week of football to be honest with you. there wasn't too many great games uh you know auburn uh upset old miss uh you know there, there wasn't really anything to that that jumped out you know at uh at anybody of course covid's running its thing you know through a bunch of teams and we're having issues with that hoping to see florida get back into the uh into the field this weekend against uh mizzou um you know, like I said, it was it was a very bland weekend. I think of of college ball. I to be honest with you, I peaked a little bit of the the Ole Miss and and Auburn game, and I peaked a little bit of the Bama Tennessee game. And while flipping through channels, I saw Ohio State was on. I got a quick laugh at it, and uh, and then went on with my day. So you know, this week I don't know. I think this is one of the more boring weeks in college football. To be honest with you.
0: And it it, it 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 did relatively drag a little. There was there was a couple of good games, but for the most part, I, I agree with you. But, you know, what did stand out to me personally was that it was a couple of performances, and I'll, I'll go to BYU. We don't talk about BYU a lot on the show for, you know, not because we're not anti-BYU people here at the show. So if you're in the Utah area, don't don't add it or tweet it. Or if you listen to the show, thanks for listening. But I want to talk about the quarterback Zach Wilson because listen, 19 to 25, 287 yards, four touchdowns. And Chris, in a in a draft class that we're talking exclusively about uh Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance, I think we you don't hear Zach Wilson's name. I don't I'm not saying Zach Wilson may be a first round quarterback. He he may he may well be, but I think when you look at other when you look at other teams in the league like who can't get or are not in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes like your beloved jets are Jeez. no disrespect no disrespect there uh. but and we'll 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 get to them, but I think when you look at a guy like uh Zach Wilson or even the guy who was high on last year and but he went back to school shane Bushell, and s m u didn't have his greatest game this week but but, you know, there, there are other guys that you can kind of see down the road, you know, in the draft board if you're not in the market for, like I said, a Trevor Lawrence or a Trey Lance. You know, and also, listen, Liberty – listen, the Malik – Willis. this is the stats, Chris, against Southern Mississippi. He went 24-31, 345 yards. He had six touchdowns. And then you throw in 12 rushes uh, and a 97 yards and a touchdown. And that team is coached by Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze used to coach at Old Miss, and I bring up this game, Chris, because I wanted to a, talk about Liberty because once again, we don't talk about Liberty, and I figure this: what better week to talk about Liberty is because of the head coach and the situation. And I think I said last week I talked about with Auburn and Tennessee. You're starting to hear Chris Hugh Freeze's name come up as a potential replacement to Gus Malzahn, and and if you recall, I talked about how I felt about how. Gus Malzahn's job kind of hinges on Bo Nix, and how Tennessee's job hangs. You know, Jeremy Pruitt, just by beating, just essentially beating other teams in the SEC, beating Alabama, being Georgia and Florida. Nothing he hasn't done since his tenure. And Hugh Freeze's name comes up. And look, Liberty is undefeated. Like, listen, I'm more than gonna go their schedule may have be great, but their offense is great. And an offensive driven sport, like I said, college football. Listen. And you see how Hugh Freeze is doing with Malik Willis, matching putting that offense back into ten, back into the SEC again. So that was a great performance there. And then Desmond Ritter, I did see this SMU cincy game. I did watch it, I did watch this game. And Desmond Ritter, listen, 13 to 21, 126 yards, but that's not the biggest stat, Chris. The biggest stat is he had eight rushes for 179 yards and three touchdowns. Let's and make- listen, <laughs> and like I say, Cincinnati, listen, we we talked about like power five, you know, the group of five. Like Cincinnati might be the best of the group of five schools because it might be, or, or barely yet, their only hope to have a you know, to kind of look at the playoff in the same way that Oklahoma State is for the Big 12. Because at any point, Chris, if they lose, then it is kind of all unravels because. You had the Big Ten coming back there, the SEC, the AC. so, especially in a shortened season, you can't. So body of work matters, so you got to kind of go out and dominate. But I want to circle back to the Alabama-Tennessee game. Listen, Kanachi Harris, listen, had a couple. What he had three touchdowns, 157 yards from scrimmage, but in that game they lost one of their best best players in Jalen Waddle, and on the kickoff, with an ankle injury, he had surgery but he's done for the year. So the question going for Alabama moving forward, Chris, is how does this affect Alabama's offense? And and my simple response is that hinges on two people. That hinges on the offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, who's a great college. The whole pro thing didn't work out, but he's a great, great college coordinator, and also quarterback Mac Jones. And – and basically, Chris, can Mag Jones, who's going to be the next weapon? We know about Najee Harris, and one guy who stepped up, Chris, was Slade Bolton. Bolton, excuse me, had six receptions, and six yards, and I think Alabama's offense is going to be fine, simply because I think Nick Saban over the last couple of years, Chris, he—I'm not saying he's becoming this great <laughs> offensive guru, but I think Chris, he's understanding to open up his off. I think he's trying to get with the times. If that makes any sense, you know, as as great a defensive mind that he is, Chris, he's willing to understand that. Hey, we got to open up the playbook more. We just can't keep running halfback dives, and you know, we can't, you know, fullback dives. We can't keep running, you know, twenty three. You know, we can't keep running those, not say archaic plays, but listen, open up the playbook. Yeah, and I think I used and and, and you saw that with Tua, where he was the first quarterback that I remember Nick Saban ever had that he just gave the offense to Tua. And I think, and I think Tua, like the, you call it the Tua effect, we may see in Miami, you know, it's coming a weekend, but you see all in college, even after he left, is that like Nick Saban is opening up the playbook more, which is interesting, and he's letting Sarkeesian do it more. You kind of saw it when Lane Kiffin was there. I think Nick Saban doesn't want to fall behind. And this is what I say about coaching or any profession in your life. You know, the world's going to move with you, the moves, the world's gonna move, even if you're not moving with it. And I think Nick Saban understands that. Hey, I gotta, you know, maybe a little my crotchety old ways. And listen, I have great running backs. I produce great running backs like Mark Ingram, Derrick Henry. I produce great running backs, but I can produce great wide receivers on the corners. If he has, look at Julio, Look at my guy, Julio Jones, and, and look at Calvin. So it can happen, Chris. It's just that with Alabama, my simple response is that Alabama's offense is going to be just fine. And, and it's great transition. Speaking of things that are just fine, I want to talk about, and I think you and I talked about this off, let's say off camera, but we talked about this, I think, last week, and I think we talked about it on social media, is that about the NFC West. And we talked about, Chris, just how on this division is. And I think, and I don't know if you'll agree, and I'll ask you, is that I think the NFC West, I think we both agree, is the best division in football. But my question to you, when I turn it over to you is, what did you see, and did you see anything specifically from the the NFC West that that made you believe that, listen, I could argue, Chris, I don't know if you agree, that I could argue that Quite possibly because everything the division is could possibly be either a Super Bowl contender or kind of on the edge of super Bowl contendership oh that's just me. so 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 I turn it over to you and give us give us your thoughts on what you saw in uh, week seven of the nFL
1: you know so you look at look at the teams in in the nFC West so you've got the forty ers the Rams, the Seahawks, and the cards um all, all of which are are uh, good programs to say the least. I think, like I said, on the bottom side of it, I definitely think are the Arizona Cardinals, and the only reason I think of that is because of age. You look at teams like the Seahawks, who have very developed player leadership, like Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett, and guys that have been on the team that have won a Super Bowl, that have been in those high pressure situations. And then you look at guys like the Cardinals, who don't necessarily—it's—it's uh, it's not like that. Kyler Murray is a bad player by any means, but he doesn't have the experience, and I think sometimes that experience—it—it it, it speaks volumes, you know. i mean Fitz, and he's got D Hop on there, um, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, I—I I still think the top of the NFC West is is gonna be the Seahawks. Um uh, I, I think I even had them as my NFC pick going into the Super Bowl, uh, you know, going oh, against oh. Kansas City, if I believe. And I think I also had them at the top of the division. And I want to say like the Rams and the and the 49ers were kind of just, you know, flimsing in the middle and then Arizona was at the bottom. But I think in another year or two I I think they might be the team to beat out west. You know, they're they're young, they're talented, they're well coached, they're good on all sides of the ball. Um, I mean, hell, they beat the Seahawks of all teams. Not you know, I mean, and then there was one. There's only one undefeated team left. Um, you know, and and they knocked Seattle off. And you know, you look at some of the line scores. Um, you know, I mean, they caught them in OT. They they snuck up on them. One of the problems, you know, Russell Wilson had uh, this past game, you know, three interceptions versus three touchdowns. I mean, you know, that, that's that's a 1-1 one, one break. That's not something you you want to be ahead in the game. You know, like Kyler Murray, he went 3-1, three, three touchdowns and one interception. Um, you know, you, you got it. Number one, I think Seattle's biggest uh, problem, first and foremost, is their defense. Their defense is is – awful i mean it is it is awful um so that's problem number one if you can throw 35 points or more on the board that's great but the problem is if you let the team across from you put up the same amount then you might be in some deep shit at the end of the day um but you know both both quarterbacks. you look at russell wilson he had six carries for 84 yards went 35 for 50 for 388 uh you know kyler murray went 34 for 48 360 yards and and 14 carries for 67 yards i mean you can't you can't ask much better playing out of either quarterback um you know and then circling around to the other teams in the division the 49ers and the rams you know the rams they they put on a little bit of a clinical there against chicago you know i figured with the with, with Nick Foles kind of taking over the 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 ring that he would have you know kind of have the the command of the team, but you know he's he's in a weird situation there in Chicago, and uh, it it was just apparent that LA wanted that win more. You know maybe they're trying to hit the triple crown. They see uh you know the the Dodgers scooped a dub, the Lakers scooped a dub. You know now they're going to try to scoop a dub, um you know try to try to bring a trophy home and uh, turn it into a little title town, but I don't think that's going to happen. To be honest with you, um, but it's same. It's the same thing with uh, with the Rams. You know, they're young. Jared Goff is still young. Cooper Cup is your favorite player there. He's he's still young. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's just there's a lot of people that uh, that just need to to build themselves up. And uh, yeah, I mean, they've got talent. You've, they, I mean. They got Robert Woods, they got Van Jefferson, they've, you know, I mean, Goff, uh, Daryl Henderson. I mean, they're, you know, they have the potential there. They've got a good defense. They're well coached with Sean McVay um, for for being, you know, what they would consider a young coach. You know, I don't, I don't think he's much older than us. I think he's only like 34, I want to say, it, if if memory serves me right. Um, you know, so it's, it's not like he's one of these guys like Belichick that's been coaching for as long as we've been alive. I mean, he's, he knows what he's doing and, you know, maybe he could be the Bill Belichick of, of the next generation of football, the next 10 years, you know, I mean, opportunities are endless. Um, you know, and then going to the 49ers, um, they, they pummeled new England. I mean, that was, <laughs> that was bad. Now, granted, you know, Jimmy G went twenty for twenty-five, two hundred seventy-seven yards with zero touchdowns and two interceptions. That doesn't help. Um, but then also Cam Newton chucked; he went nine for fifteen, ninety-eight yards with three interceptions. And then Jarrett Stidham went six for ten and one interception. So thankfully, um, you know, turning the ball over was definitely in favor of uh, San Fran that night instead of uh, instead of New England, but. Um, I I I don't know. You know, I I was real high on Cam Newton. You know, if you remember going into the season, I said that you know maybe this is the change he was going to need, you know, put him better in a better place mentally, so on and so forth. I don't know if he's maybe still running a little ragged from COVID, um, or or what it was. You know, I I didn't get to watch the entire game. I I got bits and pieces of it because it wasn't locally broadcasted, um, here. But that was. That that was, that was a rough one to, to honestly sit down and watch, um, you know, the parts I did get to see it, you know, I, I still think they're, they're definitely going to be the division for the NFC. Um, but you know, the other NFC division we might want to keep an eye on is, uh, the South, you know, you got Tampa Bay is, is Tampa Bay is looking scary. I, uh. As much as I hate Tom Brady, I mean, and, and you know how I feel about that. Um, lo- look at what they're doing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look look at the way they played the Raiders. For Christ's sakes, I mean, honestly, the only weak point, even in the, it's in the same situation I think with the with the NFC South as it is the West. I mean, Atlanta's that weak point, but even then, I think with the right coach. Atlanta becomes competitive again. You know, it might it might take them, you know, uh, the rest of this season to get competitive, you know, again. But uh, you know, I mean, we might want to take a start taking a look at them too. Tampa's bringing everybody in. I mean, they just signed Antonio Brown. They're pulling players off. You know, star defensive tackles off the off the Jets. They've got you know Gronk. there doing his thing. Uh, you know, I mean it. That's honestly that's my wild card team. If any team besides Seattle makes it to the Super Bowl for the NFC, I'm calling New England. Or excuse me, Tampa Bay. I mean, as as much as it pains me to say that, I think we might witness a seventh ring for uh for, for Brady. As crazy as it sounds. But look at the cast that he has around him. He's got a stud backfield with Ronald Jones and Fournette. He's arguably, I think, has the best wide receiving core now. Antonio Brown, uh, 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 Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, uh, Cameron Bray, uh, you know, Gronkowski. I, I, I mean, I, the only way you can get a better team on that is if you, when you're playing Madden is if you force the trade. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> that's I mean, that's really it. That's the only way I think you you can get a better surrounding team around you. And, you know, then you you look at the Saints, it's. It's the Saints. It's it's the Drew Brees and and Kamara show, and you know, whenever Michael Thomas decides that he's going to want to come out and play for a little bit, you know, and then the Carolina Panthers are just as dangerous. You know, I I I think that team next year is going to be a, a a very interesting team to watch. You know, I mean, look how close they kept it without uh without Christian McCaffrey and against the Saints. They only lost by a field goal at the end of the day. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, he's playing consistent. He's playing good. He's not turning the ball over a lot. Uh, you know, Robbie Anderson has been an outright asset to him, which by – by, and I think you and I talked about this preseason, and I remember you 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 kind of gave me the the pat on the back for scooping up Robbie Anderson so late in our fantasy draft. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, you know, and I said that, you know – he he was he was a great receiver with a subpar line and a rookie quarterback on the Jets. Imagine what he could do with a good quarterback and a good offensive line. And he's he's torn it up this season, which has taken the workload off of DJ Moore and the attention off of DJ Moore. But then games like last week, DJ Moore drops two touchdowns with 93 yards on him, you know. Um and then when you factor back in Christian McCaffrey, um, I, I think you definitely see a, a, a very interesting situation, and not only that, but you know, let's not forget about Mike Davis filling the gap for Christian McCaffrey and the the damage that he's done in the backfield. So, you know, the question being, do you keep him or do you sell him at a at a, at a high price at the end of the season? You know, I mean. Players got all, all, all the other thirty-one teams got to see what Mike Davis could do. Is he worth a draft pick? Is he worth a decent receiver? You know, I mean, o- only time will tell. But I, I think the NFC South is another division there that you that is is abnormally strong. You know, but uh, you know, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong.
0: I, I think, Chris, there's a lot of validity in what you're saying, and I want to circle back to your point about because I I wholeheartedly agree when you talk about the Atlanta, you know, my Falcons. I don't have ownership in it, or me if I did, well, yeah. It kind of feels like I have. But, because if I did, a lot of changes. But, Chris, I think the one thing that you're seeing from the Falcons now that you didn't see from Dan Quinn, even from, and I go back, Chris, to, you know, like I said, to the origin points, Chris, where you can tell, like, if you love the history, Chris, you can tell where certain civilizations start to decline. I think the Atlanta Falcons declined when it was twenty eight to three in the Super Bowl. That's when they declined. And it felt like to me that they just weren't trying to win, and Dan Quinn was not trying to win football games because it's not like they have leads. They just blow them. It's just like in baseball, Chris. if you have a chris, if if you if I told you a team had a five-run lead into the ninth inning. Any good team should win that game. But the Atlanta Falcons, they blow it. And I think now with Raheem Moore in the interim basis, Chris, you're starting to see more competition. I think you're especially seeing your Matty Ice and Julio Jones, like the Peaches and Herbs song. They're reunited, Chris, and it feels good. It feels good to see that because you didn't always see that under Dan Quinn. The offense felt more open it felt that the team was playing like a football team. But but more importantly, Chris, that NFC South Division and it's great. Listen, the Falcons, listen, I'll I'll say we're gonna finish last. I'll I'm not gonna be like one of these homers and say, yeah, we're gonna run the table. No, listen, I'm optimistically optimistically pessimistic about the Atlanta Falcons. You guys get your dictionaries and figure out what that means. But Going back to the, the NFC, like, Chris, going back to the NFC South, I look at Tampa, Chris, the offense is great, but, Chris, I'm going to give another shout-out to Todd Bowles and that defense because you, you, you know how much I love me some Todd Bowles. And, like, listen, Devin White, your linebacker, he had three sacks in that game, Chris, against the Raiders. And, and, I, get, and I get it's about the offense, and I get that. But the simple reality is, Chris, is that what makes this team scarier is that defense. And they have pieces on that defense to be absolutely great. Tom Brady is redefining what it is to be be a, a player at, at, over the age of 40. It's like outside of the only equivalent that we have, Chris, is LeBron James playing basketball at the level he is at his age. It's like when certain players reach a certain – even the great ones, Chris – you're expected to see some sort of
1: decline. Yeah, fall off. Yeah. I mean, look at Jordan in his last years. There, there was a lot of fall off.
0: Absolutely. And, and, and listen, he wasn't a scrub, but it wasn't like peak, peak MJ, peak where he had that great 10 year run, you know, the great, you know, six to 10 year run. It's like when you look at LeBron and, and Brady, listen, technology has a lot to do with it. But, Chris, I think the willingness to prove to that they can still play. Because, Chris, if they hang it up today, both of them will be in their respective Hall of Fames. Like, no one's disputing that. When you look at Tom Brady, it's about him playing football. And and you mentioned the Antonio Brown situation, which, which irks me. Which, yeah, it does irk me for two reasons. A, he shares my name, because for those who don't know, my middle name is Antonio. If you know my last name, that's why I'm a little pissed. But... That's a personal reason. But secondly, Chris, I, how can I put this? I just don't see how Antonio Brown fits. And, and, and I know I may get flat person in that, Chris, because Tampa, if you had to say what, what Tampa's biggest strength is, I would have said was the receiving core. Simply because of the fact that, listen, even, we didn't even mention Scotty Miller. You know, listen. On top of Godwin and on top of Mike Evans, you're throwing Scotty Miller, throwing Gronk. You still got Cameron brake You still got OJ Howard. There's still talent at that at the skill positions, Chris. But my problem is with Antonio Brown's always been this: not a lot of players in their career, Chris, can say they play for arguably arguably two of the best franchises in the NFL, but arguably in sports, the Patriots and the Steelers, and they're no longer there. And the, and I'll go back to the Pittsburgh situation, Chris. The reason why he didn't work in Pittsburgh, it just felt like Antonio Brown, I'm not going to say it was he felt bigger than the organization, but it, it felt at times, Chris, listen, he didn't want to be there. Listen, Pittsburgh said they shouldn't oh, they traded him to the Raiders for a fourth-round pick. At the time, Chris, you would have said, oh, that kind of feels like a bad trade. No, they wanted him out of there. And if Pittsburgh wants you out of town, Chris, that should be like a red flag. In my opinion, because if there's an organization that knows talent, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because look at Chase Claypool. Chris, they know how to draft receivers. Like they know how to draft talent, especially at skill positions, like James Conner and, like I said, Claypool. A B. So they know how to draft, Chris. I think AB was what, like a six round pick or something like that? If I, I can't remember the top of my
1: head. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, without having to go, uh, go, on, a, go on a wild goose chase. And
0: so the Pittsburgh feels know how to draft talent. So when they're willing to let A.B. and all pro go to Oakland and Oakland, I didn't I could have told you, Chris, that it wasn't a word to Oakland because that that structure at that time with Gruden, the Mayoff, I just think A.B. was just bigger than the Raiders. So the Raiders cut him loose and then he goes to New England. And Chris, he goes into New England with Brady. And I think what kind of killed the vibe there was the structure. And I could argue, Chris, maybe that's why Brady is kind of, you see Brady playing a lot more looser, because New England can be very rigid, Chris. They're, like, listen, you can be a successful business, Chris, and have rigidity. Like, like, people say, oh, I don't like working there, but boy, we're so successful. Like, you don't have to be like a Google or they have like, you know, all these cool things to keep the employees at, you know, like, You know, I don't want to get into yeah. this stuff.
1: No, no, I know. I get what you're saying. I, so it, go, go, ahead. go ahead.
0: No, I'll, I'll let you because I'm curious to hear what your thoughts on it were.
1: I, I'm going to use two words for Antonio Brown. And I'm going to circle through them and then, and then see, if, see if you think the way I'm thinking. The first word okay. is hubris. The second word is desperation. So we're going to go back to hubris and we're going to circle around that for a few You look at A.B. when he was on the Steelers. There was a whole lot of personality on that team. You have Big Ben, who's essentially a household name for the average football fan. You had Le'Veon Bell, again, household name. You had Antonio Brown, household name. You had Juju Smith-Schuster, where if you followed football, you know who he was. You know, and then you had, you know, your your other, you know, defensive players, offensive players, you know, but but you had, you know, those big names up top. Now, what I mean by hubris is A.B. beats on his chest. I'm, you know, the best there is, you know, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Woo! You know, um, and he found out he wasn't. And his, his personal hubris, I think, is what got him, off of the Steelers, you you cause. It, it, I think we talked about it. You can be an asshole and a good player, but you can't be too much of an asshole because it always pays back. It, it, it's like when when you people compare, you know, Tom Brady to Colin Kaepernick expressing political views. Colin Kaepernick, you know, got got the can. Tom Brady didn't. Well, the thing is, is yes, Tom Brady voices his opinions, but it didn't financially affect his organization and he still performed well at his job at the end of the day and that's what you're getting paid for. So with AB, I think his personal antics put too much of a of a strain on the organization and his his hubris got him off that team over to Oakland. It didn't work out in Oakland. He already had a chip on his. Sh- so this is a man that uh, I'll I'll use the term emotional, and and I'm not meaning that in a negative way. So please don't take it. Um, you know he he says what's on his mind. He may not say the best things at the best times or do the right things at the right times. But we're all human. We all make mistakes. Blah blah blah. He goes to Oakland, and I think everybody called it that that wasn't going to work out. He goes to New England, and that didn't work out. Now he's unemployed. One thing in common with almost every major professional athlete. Is they all make a lot of money and they all have a lot of debt. And the problem is, is that if you're making a lot of money and you're paying all of your debt off, when you still have a lot of debt and you don't have any income, well, you know, that's what us that are economically sound call a deficit. Now, back to my second word, desperation. Sometimes when players fuck up so bad and they have to come back hat in hand, they tend to act just a wee bit differently. And they might be a little bit more humble. They might be a little bit more quieter. Uh, Look how much, uh, uh, how loud Cam Newton was on his way out of Carolina versus his entrance in current situation in New England. He's not the outspoken Cam Newton. And if someone takes a shot, I I saw something that they were picking on his clothing of choice. Which, hey, I'm I'm no fashion guru, but he does dress kind of odd. But he isn't the the flamboyant ish type Cam Newton. He understands that his job's on the line, his future's on the line, and if he wants to be a multi million dollar quarterback, he's going to have to 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 prove why. And I think it's the same thing with Antonio Brown. Is is we passed the hubris part to desperation. The man's desperate for work. He needs the income. He needs that NFL level of money. And he still has a love and passion for the game. So, if you have the love for something and you can learn to shut your mouth about it because of the desperation of your situation, people do things they normally don't want to do. It's kind of like, you know, with you being a tutor, I'm sure there have been a couple of kids you wanted to reach across the table and just punch them square in the fucking head. Now, I'm not condoning that. Yeah. yeah I when that I, when is, I... Like, I know that thought is cautious. <laughs> We're not
0: condoning violence hands. here, but.
1: Yeah, you know, but but you don't do it, and it kind of added desperation because you're like, well, I punched this kid in the face, I'm gonna lose my job and probably go to jail, and so therefore I don't like either of those, so I'm not gonna do it, and I and I think that's where A B is at is his attitude got him anywhere he's at, and sometimes you learn to shut the fuck up after that, it, your mouth gets you in a bad place, you return to orbit and you come back down to earth and then you realize that maybe what you did was not such a brilliant idea and then here we are that's my theory on AB and that's why i think he'll work in tampa he's going to understand his place in the pecking order mike evans and chris godwin are the receivers he's the that that wide receiver 3 and he will be an asset but he will not stand in their way and i and you will see i think we'll see a different a uh, different version of him
0: you know, Chris, I, I'm not, I'm not going to push back on much of what you said because I'm, I'll just make these quick points before we move on to something else I want to talk about. But going back to A.B., Chris, I think hubris is a very important word there. I think he understands. I think those are the two perfect words because, Chris, he understands that this is pretty much it. And and, and like I said after he got really I think I said it on this very show that if If New England got rid of him, another team would pick him up. And look how long he had to wait for a job. Because it took Tom Brady, who it took Tom Brady has a lot of pull, as we both know. He has a lot of pool head organization. And he got A B that job. And I think when people talk about, oh, he's like TO, this is where I disagree. TO had what happened with TO, Chris, is, is that his ego superseded his talent the older he got. And, but yet he didn't try to change who he was. And it goes back to what I said earlier, Chris, about not changing with the times and not being forward-thinking. T.L. thought that his talent was bigger than his ego, so any team would take me. I said, think about it, Chris. Relate, some relationships work that way, where people feel that, listen, oh, I can be this way and no one's going to leave me. Because it's ego. The thing with Antonio Brown, Chris, is simply, it's desperation. And that situation, Chris, reminded me a lot of Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson, later yes. in his career, Allen Iverson later in his career, Chris, a lot of people don't know. He had the option, Chris, to still be in the league, but to come off the bench. And ironically, it was the, when he had his biggest success that it was his coach Larry Brown and Larry Brown at the many jobs he's had when I believe when he was at Denver and the reality, Chris, is that hey, he had to come off the bench no, excuse me, it was Detroit, excuse me and he didn't want to really come off the bench at Detroit it's not that it's, that Chris, it's not that AI at that time wasn't talented, but Chris he just wasn't a starter anymore AI could give you 15, 20 minutes a night look at, look at Carmelo Anthony, Chris Carmelo Anthony is a story of how, what you talked about with A.B., how you can get the reciprocal effect, Chris. Because, you know, he's, you know, listen, started his career with the Knicks. And he was the guy, he was the guy for the Knicks, Chris. I think you can agree with me on that. He was the guy for the New York Knicks. Like, even if you weren't the biggest basketball fan in the world, you knew who Carmelo Anthony was. But later in his career, Chris... His play kind of somewhat declined. He wasn't, he didn't fall off the face of the earth, but he had to understand that he couldn't start anymore. And at that point, Chris, he had his money. Listen, the Knicks, the Knicks made sure he was very fiscally sound in his career. So it's a matter of if you wanted to play in this league again, Chris, what are you willing to do to humble yourself? Because at the end of the day, Chris, you just can't, the only other, do you want to go play in the G League again? You're too good, you're, too, you're bigger than that. It's not like he had, he had to humble himself, Chris. And the reality is that, it, well, I agree, I agree with your point on Antonio Brown, Chris. He had to understand that when you know in your life and your career that that is it, then you have to change something. Something has to change simply because if you don't, Chris, you're done. Not saying your life is over, but what you think you are is over, if that makes any sense. What you think you are is over, and being able to realize what you really are has to come into play. And that's no different than what Antonio Brown is. And the only reason why, Chris, I'm – listen, somewhere down the road, I could be on the board with it, Chris, but right now the only reason why I'm not sold is because I need to be convinced, Chris – that A.B. can humble himself. Because, Chris, I've seen this story, not once, but I've seen it twice. Now, actually, three times. I've seen it three times in his career where he couldn't humble himself and be a part of a team because he thought he was bigger than the team. And that's why I say hubris is the perfect word. Sometimes in life, Chris, we think that we're, we're the company. So Not saying you're bigger than your company, but sometimes... In a lot of people's mind, Chris, they feel that they're bigger than where they work. And when you realize that you're just a cog, you're a very good cog in the machine. But when you realize you're at the top cog, yeah, you're going to be out the door. Because essentially what a team, the Pittsburgh Steelers basically said, Chris, he was replaceable. And by the way, the Pittsburgh Steelers are the only undefeated team left in the NFL. So they're not really hurt. So it works. And at the end of the day, Chris, before I move on, all I need to see from A.B. is to humble himself. Because what happens, if he doesn't this time, Chris, he'll be like Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson could have played another two, three years, Chris, if he came off the bench. Carmelo Anthony learned the lesson. Melo learned that his years as a starter is over. You know, being the guy is over. So he had to come off the bench. And he'll get his minutes. It's not like, Chris, they play 48 minutes in basketball. If somebody told you, Chris, you can play 20 minutes in the NBA, would you turn that down?
1: Absolutely not. And I even hate basketball.
0: Right. Exactly. So if, if, if a team told you, hey, you can't play 40 minutes, but we know you can give us 15, 20 minutes a night, that's half the game.
1: Beam me game. The...
0: Right. And then you're going to get paid. For it. It's like, I think that's what I need to see with AB. But. Before I before we transition to fantasy, I just want to hit on I want to go back to that Niners Pats game because, Chris, you know, I usually don't do this on the show, but I owe an apology to me. To that version of me, because, Chris, I was so sold on the fact that the whole thing in New England was going to be great. And at this point, there would be. But and I look at what's going on in Tampa, Chris. And I'm like, boy, I was wrong. Because the way New England played Sunday, Chris, it just wasn't one of those one-off things. Think about it, Chris. They lost the most players before the season even started because of COVID. Yep. Remember when they had the option that they lost all pros on that offensive line. They lost arguably their, their best, probably their second or third best defensive player in Patrick Chung. They lost a lot of pieces. And now heading into the second half of the season, you're starting to see that. Because look, Chris, listen, the Niners had 467 yards of total offense. And this is a quick piece of, uh, of trivia for you, Chris. Jimmy G was the second former Pats quarterback that was, either, that was drafted or started for Belichick and defeated him. Can you name the first quarterback? Can you name the last quarterback that beat Bill Belichick that used to play for the Pats
1: uh, as a quarterback? Uh, Matt Castle?
0: Yeah. No. Drew Bledsoe. Oh, okay. Yeah, the you so he got traded to Buffalo. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not, not, not one of the smartest moves by Belichick, but so Jimmy G. So Jimmy G, yeah, listen, he didn't have the greatest game. I still think that's the weakest link for the Niners. But here's a here's a quick couple of stats, Chris, for New England. And just how bad that loss was. That twenty seven point loss, Chris, was the worst one at home since the Bill Belichick area since era since the year 2000. Mm. Two straight regular season home losses. Chris, that's the first time that's happened since 08. They trailed by 20 at halftime. That's the third time they that happened since 2000. And it was their 14th time allowing 450 plus total yards at home since 2000. And in those games, Chris, they're 9-5. So, but we gotta understand, those teams back in, you know, that they had then, Listen, I'm not going to say the game was different then, but listen, it depends who they were down to. But the reality is, is this, Chris. If I'm a Patriots fan today, Chris, I'd panic. Because Cam Newton, I don't know if he's 100% healthy. I don't know that. You know, Belichick, nobody knows in that organization but Cam Newton. But Cam Newton's his QBR is dropping. And you're noticing, I'm noticing in fantasy that he, teams are just letting him go. Because I think fantasy owners know that maybe Cam's best, you know, his best games are behind him, at least for this season, possibly. He maybe get picked up again if an injury happens. But the reality is simply this, Chris. If you're a Patriot fan, there's a very good chance you could finish third to the Jets. And I can't recall a time, Chris, where the Jets, excuse me, where the Patriots were the third best team in that division. Second best I can remember, but third best—it's it, hard to fathom. And once again, I think Belichick is realizing—he listen, COVID kind of hit him. But I think an argument could be made, and I'm not saying one way or the other, Chris, that Tom Brady was was more on the right than what we think, than what we think he was. Because if the question came up, who was it more, Belichick or Brady? If you see the games now, Chris, you could one could make an argument. I'm not making the argument that maybe it was a little bit of more Brady than Belichick, but I have to remind people the one year Brady did get hurt, the Patriots did go 11 and five. So I just think this year, I just think COVID hit New England. I think it's a down year, in New England. I think that listen, they only had Cam for one year, so Chris. It's not a season where the whole thing's falling apart. I think don't be surprised, Chris, if you see Stidham start, maybe not maybe not the next game, Chris, but maybe the last couple of games of the season to see what they have in Stidham. Because I think they've seen enough of, of Cam Newton to know what they have in him. But that would just be that's just I'm not working the organization, but that's just be my opinion on that. And speaking of opinions, Chris, I'm not going to lie, Chris. I had a very rough week in fantasy. I think we both did. Especially, I I know I can speak for me and say that I did. Yeah. Let's just say, I'll put it like this. When Yahoo told me I was favored, Yahoo said, hey, you were favored, but you lost. It hit you more in the stomach than it should have. It affected my day more than it. I put it this way. It affected my day more than it should have. And it's because a lot of teams, like, and I'm not going to call out certain players, Travis Kelsey, but, or, you know, the Chiefs' offense, they just all fell flat. Listen, I'm five and two. I'm not crying over it. But I think now more than ever, Chris, like I said, especially as we get the home stretch of fantasy in the second half of the season, I think we now look for players who could potentially. Not say decline, but we have to be. We have to find red herrings, even in the players that were, you know, that are locks to start. We have to find those red herrings. So I'm, I'm, as I listen every week, Chris, give us your starting system because I think more so now than ever, I think teams are upset at the. Quite frankly, a lot of a lot of these players are just flat out underperforming. So give us your thoughts on your starting system for this week. For week eight,
1: uh, you know, th- this one, this this is one of these weeks where, um, you got to start making decisions. Decision one is you sell your team off, you get a bunch of draft picks, and uh, you try again next season. A lot of leagues, their waiver wires are next the uh, next Monday, or excuse me, trade trade deadlines, or I think like next Sunday or next Monday. Um, one of the leagues I'm in, I've got to make that decision and I'm sitting in a deficit in that league, which I normally don't do. Um, even in my own personal league, I'm right there with you. It was the, the fantasy gods were not in my favor. Um, however, I, I've got more divisional wins. So that's what at least keeps me in, in line and in check, but we're still, uh, we're still treading some uh, some deep water. This week, like I said, you as your your team owner, you gotta. You know, I'll tell you what I do. I look at I look at the league. I look at who's ahead of me, who's next to me, and then who's behind me. Um, I worry about who's next to me more than anybody else because those are the teams that are the real dangers. Sometimes you get some guys that are lucky and they might be undefeated at this point or they might be uh, uh, with a one loss, you know, um, and you might not catch up to them. They've almost secured their playoff spot. Yes, you got to be more about minding your own business, watching the person next to you. Uh, The people that are behind you, uh, don't worry too much about them. You know, they're not going anywhere, if anything they're probably going to start selling you players for draft picks, and they might try to help you. Um, And then circling on that point, is that something you might want to start looking to do? Um, I'm not going to lie. I have a couple methods that I use. One is at this point I'll just tank the rest of the season, get as many draft picks as I can, and hope for the best and prepare for the worst. Option two is I look at the schedule and I start assessing who plays who when, how it affects my division and how it'll affect the overall. And if I need to start making trades to those people to possibly knock that person above me down a peg by the hand of somebody else, well, I'm not going to say I'm not above it. So this is where things get really, really tricky and you got to figure out what type of coach are you? Are you a sheep? Or are you a wolf? Or are you a shark? So you figure out which one you are for your stardom and symptoms this week. We'll run through the usual offensive positions and then, uh, you know, let you figure out the rest on your own. So for quarterbacks, of course, you're guaranteed starters. You've got some outright hammers. You've got uh, Patrick Mahomes going to the Jets, Aaron Rodgers going to Minnesota, and Russell Wilson going to the 49ers. Now, yes, the 49ers have a good defense. Statistically, Russell Wilson plays better against teams with better defenses because it puts his back against the wall and makes him do all this crazy Russell Wilson shit. Uh some of your stronger starters. Um, number one, Tom Brady uh, with the Tampa Bay Bucks going against the Giants. Of course, the Giants have been his kryptonite over the years and costing him two rings, which I'm okay with. Um, but however, Tampa Bay's passing game is just absolutely rolling. Um, the Giants have a decent defense, but they're not great. So I would I would expect Tom to have his way with them maybe a little bit of subconscious retribution. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Ryan Tannehill going to Cincinnati. Uh, he'll be back on the on the rebound. He didn't do too hot last week, so look for a big performance out of him. Um, you know, I mean, if Baker Mayfield could pick apart the uh, the Cincinnati defense, have faith in Ryan Tannehill, for Christ's sakes. Uh, for once, this is the first time this season I've put him on a strong start list, and that would be Carson Wentz. Um, the Cowboys defense is just... God awful. Um, Their offense is in dire need and which means they're not going to be on the field a long time, which means their defense will be, which means they're going to get gassed early. And we all know what happens with that. Um, So good luck on that. No, Justin Herbert with the Chargers. He's just been on outright fire going to Denver. Denver has been giving up a lot of solid numbers of quarterbacks all the way around the league. Uh, and with Herbert, he can do it by by air and by land. So uh, watch yourself. Uh, another one, Matty Ice, with Julio coming back into the mix, I, that changes his value exponentially. That also takes a lot of air out of uh, Calvin Ridley's sale. But look at every time that both of those boys are on the field. one, If not both of them are scoring touchdowns. Uh, on the flip side of the ball, Teddy Bridgewater playing against Atlanta. We all know Atlanta's uh, you know defense isn't uh, great by any shape, form, or standard. Literally everyone has scored against them, so we'll just leave it on that note. Uh, I, I expect Bridgewater to have a good day. And then on the flip side of the Cincinnati-Tennessee game, um, I think that Joe Burrow is going to be throwing uh, a lot against Tennessee. They have a good run defense. They're passing and their secondary isn't the sharpest. Also, Joe's going to be playing with his back against the wall. So we all know what happens with that. Some of your DFS bargains for DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, Jimmy G and Nick Foles both have some modest matchups. Um, you know, uh, Chicago going to New Orleans and then Jimmy G going to, uh, uh, to Seattle. You know, I, I, I think both of them you'd be able to buy low, make some money off of them, and sell high afterwards. Um I think as long as uh, uh, Allen Robinson keeps doing his thing, I think Nick Foles will have a, a big game, and then I think the same situation with Jimmy G, uh, with Aik and uh, George Kittle, I think are going to be his saving graces. So some of your 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 deep streamers, buy at your own risk, are going to be Derek Carr going against Cleveland, and then on the other side of the ball is Break- Baker Mayfield going against Browns. That's going to go really, really good or really, really terrible for you, so at your own risk. Uh, some of your weaker starters, uh, Josh Allen. Uh, I, I, I don't, the, the Patriots got a good pass defense. I also think they're going to be looking for a little bit of retribution from the smackdown that uh, that San Fran put on them last week. And he looked really shaky last week, so I don't know what's going on with that, but let's, let, let, let's just keep an eye on that. Maybe this week you might want to put him off to the side. Um, his receivers will have good games just because he's going to spread the ball around. But they're going to have a lot of receptions. I just don't think they're going to have the big explosive plays. Uh, Drew Brees from New Orleans going to Chicago. Um, let's face it, Chicago's uh, pass defense is arguably I one. I would say a top five in the NFL, if not top three. Um, the only defense that that shows more legitimacy, I think, you know, to a point, than the Saints' defense is Tampa Bay's. Um, and then also a Drew Brees still not having Michael Thomas running around. I think that's going to be detrimental to him. Um, Kirk Cousins going to Green Bay. Um, I think he'll put up points, but I he, I had him on the fringe. So this, this is that point where you look at it and you pull your putter out and your pitching wedge out, and you're going to make a decision once you look at the hole, figure out you know how, what kind of terrain you got, how deep the grass is. You know, this one... Uh, This one, I may take the safe shot and and use my pitching wedge and kind of give it a little love tap onto the green. Um, I think Kirk Cousins will put points up. He'll probably throw for, you know, 250 yards. He'll put a couple TDs on the scoreboard. But he starts turning the ball over and Aaron Rodgers does Aaron Rodgers shit, then that's going to get pretty ugly for for Kirk really quick. Uh, Matt Stafford, I think, is going to be another weaker start. Um, With the Lions, I, I, I... I, I don't know. I mean arrested Colts defense and they've also allowed the fewest fantasy points for quarterbacks in uh in the league this year, so keep that in mind. Uh Jared Goff, even though I talked really highly of him no no more than ten minutes ago, uh long trip, short week, LA to Miami, that's a long flight. I've done it a couple times, and it sucks. And somehow Miami's defense is actually playing good, so there there's that. <laughs> Um, then you got Big Ben going to Baltimore. Um, he, uh, you know, number one, Ravens have had an awesome defense all season, so I think they're definitely going to be trying to ball hawk Roethlisberger. And then also, he's not Big Ben's not playing as sharp. I maybe mean, you know they're undefeated. I'm not going to say they're not going to win, but he's not putting a- as many yards on the board as as normal. So um, this might be one of those games if you got Big Ben, maybe throw him off to the side. Uh, Cam Newton. Uh, going to Buffalo, uh, yeah, we, we talked about that situation, so we'll just leave it there. And then your traps, same thing, uh, that can go really good or really, really bad for you. I forgot to group these guys earlier with uh, with the other knuckleheads. Um, but Philip Rivers and Daniel Jones. Uh, Daniel Jones, I, I, I think he might try to surprise and come out early and get you a lot of early fantasy points. But I don't think he's going to be a long-term solution for that game. If you're in an absolute jam and you need somebody, good luck. I'll just leave it at that. Um, shifting gears going down to the running backs, of course, your normals, your Dalvin Cooks, your Aaron Jones Alvin Kamaras, Kareem Hunt, Zeke Elliott, Todd Gurley, Mixon, if he plays. Um uh you know, the 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 typical rundown. If you if you don't know who these guys are by now, just just stop it. Um some of your stronger starts uh, making his debut against his former team is Le'Veon Bell. Uh, this is a revenge game. This is Le'Veon Bell. He's going to run that ball so far up Adam Gase's ass. He's going to taste the 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 leather. He is going to taste the strings, the the, the laces, everything. He is going to taste that football. Bell is going to have a huge game and expect him to get a huge workload because CEH has fallen down. He hasn't been able to get in the end zone. Le'Veon Bell's got experience, speed, charisma, and he's got a lot of hate in his heart right now. And if you've watched any Star Wars movie, when you're when you're that angry, force lightning happens and expect some force lightning from Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, I think both of those dudes are going to be a, a, the, the, the dynamic duo uh, going against the Giants. Giants are terrible run defense, and I think they're going to prove them. Um, Deandre Swift from the Lions going against Indy. Um, I think that he'll definitely have an amped up game. And I think he's just out there to prove something that, that, that he can go out and go do some damage. And I definitely think that he's going to get the, the majority of the, uh, uh, of the ball carries. Um, Jamichael Hastie or Tevin Coleman from 49ers, um, if If Coleman's back, uh, I would definitely put him in a, de- a game time decision. so please keep your watch of uh, uh, of your players, make sure that you're making the right right choices there. Uh, Daryl Henderson from the Rams going to Miami. I know we talk about Miami secondary, however, their their run defense isn't completely the best, and that's also their biggest uh, weakness on defenses. they They give up a lot of yards per uh, per run. So expect him to have a good game. Um, I think the new man in the backfield, the Michael Piron, so that's a former Gator of ours. Um, I think he's going to be the main event in the backfield. Um, his volume can add up well in in bad times. Um, as I think the Jets are just going to get absolutely massacred on against Kansas City, but I expect Piron to have a lot of dump passes and a lot of uh, a lot of carries. So I think he'll if you're in a jam. Pick him up. Uh, some of your DFS bargains for DraftKings, FanDuel, uh, Jarrett McKinnon and Latavius Murray. Same situations. Um, how they're playing, who they're playing, what they're playing. All all of the the ingredients are lining up. So if you need to buy somebody for cheap, look at those guys. Uh, some of your weaker starts. Melvin Gordon going against the Chargers. Uh, revenge game narrative aside. I think the Chargers just have a, a, a good run defense that are going to stiffen him out and, and shut him down early. Uh, David Montgomery from Chicago going against New Orleans. Um, New Orleans defense is pretty nasty. And Montgomery looked pretty bad against Los Angeles last week. So unless if he scores, he's he's going to be a waste of time and money for you. Um, uh, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, it's hard to trust any of them. Um, uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, I I think that this game is going to be a very odd one to watch, just because of the situations. Um, and if you have any offensive player from uh, from Baltimore, go ahead and sit them. Um, they've got a, a tough run defense. Um, let's just let's just keep our minds in the back of that. Uh, some of the other ones now. now so we were talking about um, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. So Carlos Hyde is. Uh, the the new front face for the running back position uh, for Seattle right now with Carson going down on injury. Um, I'm I'm pretty curious to see how he's going to do. I, I think that he's going to be a decent start, but I think it's going to be uh, a little weak. So you know, I'm also he's got his hamstring issues, so I don't even know how much playing time he's truly going to get. If you got AP with the Lions, like I said, with DeAndre Swift getting more carries of the Rock, I think that uh, this is going to turn into the DeAndre Swift show, and AP just isn't going to even be playable. Uh, any any Patriots running back going against Buffalo, I think just go ahead and sit them. And then every single Giants running back position, go ahead and set them against Tampa Bay. I know I'm not being uh, too optimistic this week, but I'm sitting you guys with some uh, harsh realities. Um your regular starts for wideouts. You've got your your go tos: your Devonte Adams, uh, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Tyler Lockett, Tyree Kills. Again, if you don't know him, just, just hang it up right now. Some of your stronger starts: uh, Brandon Ayuk from uh, San Francisco. Uh, Debo Samuel's still battling this hamstring injury. It seems like he spent more time on the bench this season than he did uh, than he has playing. Uh, and plus, it's Jimmy G's go to guy besides uh, Kittle. So expect him to have uh, have himself a good game. Uh, Tyler Boyd for the Bengals. Um, I think him and both him and T Higgins. I think will have a good situation uh, if they play slot or outside. Um, that's about the only weakness that Pittsburgh has. Uh, Marquise Brown. Um, even though I said that the the Ravens, I think we're going to have a little bit of a tough time on offense. I think uh, he'll definitely hit that that. Unexpected home run. He'll get you a couple big gains, maybe a touchdown. So keep your keep your eyeballs uh, pointing forward on him. And then Corey Davis from uh, Tennessee going into Cincinnati. Now that he's getting involved again, he's a good opposite of AJ Brown. So expect when they're paying attention to AJ, Corey Davis will be doing backflips, just sitting there, standing there at you, uh, you know, just waving his hands. Some of your DFS bargains for DraftKings and FanDuel: Nelson Aguilar and uh, Rashad Higgins. Same situation, you can buy them low, you can sell them high. Uh, I think that we'll definitely be able to uh, uh, to see some magic going out of there. And I think with Rashad Higgins, he might even become a regular of me talking about. I think with with OBJ going out, he might be the, uh, the, the number one receiver. He's going to get his cake, and uh, I think he's definitely going to do some damage to it. Um, some of your weaker starts, I think that... Uh, on the opposite side of the ball with uh, with, with Pittsburgh and Baltimore, I think uh, the Ravens are definitely going to ha- – they've got some tough cornerbacks. They're going to shut down Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, pretty much at this point, any Cowboys receiver that you have, I would definitely sit them. I think that they all lost their value once Dak Prescott went down. So I would I would definitely just kind of keep your uh your your ears open and your eyes open, scan in the wire, make a trade, do what you gotta do. I think a, a, any receiver at this point from from Dallas is gonna uh be in a rough situation. Um I think that Cole Beasley is gonna start to cool off a little bit. I think with uh uh Stephon Diggs is doing Stephon Diggs things, I think that he's going to uh have a, have himself Little bit of a cool down period, but keep him in the back of your mind. Um, Jarvis Landry, same situation. Uh, I think with Rashad Higgins kind of getting more spotlight, I think uh, Landry's going to take a backseat. And then Traquan Smith, it's a tough matchup. Um, even if his role does get expanded, um, you know, th- there's really not much he can do. And then literally any Patriots uh, wide out against Buffalo, just, just go ahead and put him to bed. Uh, For last but not least tight ends, of course, Kittle, Waller, uh, Goder, Kelsey. If you got any of them, except for Ladarius, go ahead and start him because Kittle took a giant uh, heaping turd for him last week. Um, Some of your stronger starts, uh, Gronkowski, of course. um, He's had back-to-back big weeks, and the Giants statistically suck at covering tight ends, so expect him to have a good game. Uh, Hunter Henry, um, you know, uh, the downfall is, uh, he's uh, Justin Herbert's not looking at him for every single play, but I definitely think he'll, he's going to find the end zone pretty well. Uh, Jared Cook on the Chicago, Jimmy Graham w- with New Orleans. Um, I think it's a revenge game. Uh, you know, there's a lot of revenge games this week. You notice I have a, a, a track here. Uh, Eric Ebron with uh, Pittsburgh going against Baltimore. Baltimore statistically gives up a ton of points to, to – uh, uh, tight ends, they normally float around in that linebacker midfield core. Uh, they don't have the strongest linebacker core, so expect Eric Ebron to ter- to, to pick that apart. Um, Dalton Schultz, even though I don't consider him a receiver because you know he's sitting at that tight end position, I think he's going to be the only productive pass catcher because he's going to be that safety net, that that comfortable blanket. Uh, and then I expect uh, Mike Kosinke to have himself a good week. They they he's essentially Miami slot receiver. And I think with Tua getting his first official start, he's not going to want to go out there and try to sling the ball 100 yards down the field. He's going to want those quick little five-and-out, five-and-out passes, and tight ends are good for that. Uh, some of your weaker starts, if you've got T.J. Hockenson, go ahead and throw him on the bench. Uh, the culture, they, I mean, they are stingy when it comes to tight ends. They are stingy, stingy people. Um, Hayden Hurst from the Falcons. The Panthers are good literally because of that linebacker core. They stuff those 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 middle passes pretty well. Um, any Rams tight ends, Broncos tight ends, go ahead and and put them down. Also, much love to our Gator Trey Burton, but the Lions cover the tight end position incredibly well, so I don't see him uh, doing too much. That's my start him and send him for uh, for the week. I wish you guys all the best, except for if you play me or if you're in my league. I hope all of you fail miserably, but that's just because I'm trying to I'm trying to be the New England Patriots and repeat it. Make those decisions. Figure out if you got to start selling or not. It, it is that time of the year, ladies. We're 50% through on, on the majority of fantasy leagues. Um, good luck and, and happy hunting.
0: You know, yeah. I, I... Oh, uh, brother, Chris. Um, um, when, it when it comes to Travis, Travis Kelly I, I think, I, you're, I think right. you're right. So, are you saying Trask is going to be great this
1: great. Week? Yeah, I, I definitely think that he's going to do better this week. Yes, I think that he just had an off week, and especially playing the 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 Jets, I if if he if he gets under twenty five points, I I would be shocked, in, in all honesty, I I really, really, truly would be. I mean, we we traded uh, the Jets traded away their best defensive nose tackle, so you don't have that front line presence anymore our linebacker core uh, we traded those guys way <laughs> way long ago our secondary is just depleted and then to make things worse we have adam Gase as a coach so um, yeah that's, that's pretty bad let let, let that marinate for a little bit and it'll taste pretty good <laughs> but yeah I, I definitely think kelsey will be a very very strong start i think he had his oopsie game last week and unfortunately it cost you a dub i've been in the same situation uh, I, I've had oopsie-poopsies with every goddamn player on my roster this season. You,
0: you, you know, yeah. it, it, it's, it's not upsetting, Chris, because I'm still 5-2 and two in, in, our, in our league. But uh, cause I, I dropped to second. And I think one of the things that's amazing is that, listen, I, I wasn't as upset because I, I looked at the rest of my schedule and I said to myself – I need to make maybe one more move because I looked at how many moves I made in our league. I only made like 18, but it felt like I made 38 moves (laughs) because, because of injuries because of COVID. But before we move on, I I just, I tell people this and like what you said at the top of your, of the segment, Chris, about, about knowing what direction you're, you know, where you want to go with your team. That's, Applicable to not only your fantasy team, but a lot of organizations are doing that now because of the trade deadline. You at this point should know what kind of team you are. Like, like obviously, I know what kind of team are, you know, our, my Falcons and your Jets are. You know, we're in selling mode. You know, so we're simply trying to get picks. We're, we're, it's no different than fantasy. We're just trying to get picks. We're trying to get value to rebuild. But when you're in that position, like I'm in, like, I'm at 5 and 2. So I'm in the position where I looked at my schedule and I go I think I I know I'm not going to I may not win out because like I said last week last week I think that was the one game where I was the I was a huge favorite. And you know, listen, if go ask Penn State about being the favorite and losing. So so <laughs> something to think about. But but speaking of favorites, one of the favorite matches, UFC, I don't know if you had a chance to see the Khabib and Justin Gaeth match or not. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it over the weekend.
1: I cannot confirm or deny said allegations. I I did not order the fight on ESPN+, Plus, but I may have caught a glimpse of it through unknown, unconfirmed sources. You know what? Listen. 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 People are like, oh, my CJ degree, you know what I say to that, Chris?
0: We less, move on. So, yeah, yeah. All I'm going to say is that, but you heard what he said. Yeah, I know what he said, but I, more importantly, what he didn't say. Right. So so I, I think we had this discussion through Facebook, you know, as we talk. Like you said, we talk a lot, sports and non-sports things. We might post our chat thread one day, but we're, we're probably not for
1: legal reasons. Viewer discretion is advised.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we should get the EA guy to say it. Viewer discretion is advised. Podcast conversation—it's in the game, but no, but but I think we talked about you know could be you know winning, you know the you know I I'll, 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 I'll say convincing fashion I'll say he won, and he retired because and and I understand the why he retired you know because of his father, and and you know when you're around sports as much as we have been Chris whether playing it or watching it, you know family has a little bit of a factor, and and I understand why he retired. You know he retired undefeated. He retired on top. He did what? Listen, he did what John Elway did. John Elway said, "Listen, I got the Super Bowl. I'm out of here." Peyton Manning, I'm out of here. You know, great ones to retire on top, and Khabib did. And it created this conversation on social media, and I'm, and just discuss it briefly about is Khabib could you put him in the goat conference for UFC? And I say yes. Because the only person I feel you can throw in there, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, is John Bones-Jones. I think when, you know, pound for pound, you could there are other there are other people you can put in the conversation. Because I don't think win loss is just the only factor, Chris. I believe dominance matters. I believe that's why when, you know, to why people feel that you know MJ is better than LeBron is because of dominance. And while LeBron may have dominated the East, the fact of the matter is that LeBron was the best player in the the league at the time where he was playing guys like Barkley. we was playing guys like Stockton and Malone. He was playing Isaiah Tom. He was playing a lot of talent. Go look at that dream team if you need further proof on that. Because for the record, the lean score in that dream team was Charles Barkley. Fun little nerdy fact. But my question to you is, Chris, where do you where do you see what is Khabib's legacy to you in UFC you know
1: uh i mean he's definitely there so first and foremost i mean you, you know i'm a numbers guy and he's undefeated that that speaks volumes now granted he's he's 29 and 0 um but he's never lost a fight i think he fought I want to say twelve times in the UFC. I may be wrong on that. Um yeah, I, I didn't prepare a, a a ton of notes on this one. Um but you know, it's one of the few times I, I almost want to speak emotionally instead of instead of logically. Um but you know, Khabib, he came out every every pay-per-view and, and he did what he said he was gonna do, and that's when. Um you know, I I, I think that he is the true definition of a mixed martial arts fighter. You look at some of the other guys that have been put into the UFC hall of fame, even though they're MMA, they were wrestlers. They were boxer, kickboxers, you know, uh, uh, Chuck Liddell, Chuck Liddell had, you know, he definitely had a ground game. I'm not going to sit here and say he did not but let's face it. If standing toe to toe with Chuck Liddell, you were putting yourself in a situation that wasn't healthy for you. Um, you know Khabib, is just he's one of those guys that's an all-around fighter. Um he can wrestle, he can go to the jiu-jitsu route, he can kickbox, you know. I mean, he 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 can finish you in a number of ways. And He's won by knockout. He won this fight, you know, uh you know, a, a minute and 34 into uh the second round, he choked uh, choked uh, Justin Gaethje out with a triangle choke. And um you know, uh, as far as him being the goat, I don't know. I mean, he definitely cut his career a little early, I think. And I completely understand why family comes before anything and everything. And if if he felt that in his heart, mind and soul that it was right for him to honor his words to his to his mother and whatever else, I have 100 I, I I respect that. I will never 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 talk about that. Um, Mm -hmm. It sucks, you know, from uh, from a a viewer standpoint, you never want to see someone like that go down early. That would be like Mike Trout retiring halfway or or Derek Jeter retiring in the early 2000s or, you know, you you never want to see somebody go out when you know the level of potential is there. Or like when my, when Michael Jordan left the Bulls for the first time and went and played baseball, I mean it just it it shocked the world. I you know maybe we'll see Khabib again. I don't know. Um, whatever he chooses, that's one hundred percent on him. Um, but you know, comparing him to to Bones, that's that's a pretty uh, you know a, a pretty big. Uh, Pretty big pair of shoes to fill. Um, I mean, Bones, he's got his own personal issues that's, I think, prevented him from being an even bigger GOAT in the UFC um, mm-hmm. with his substance abuse issues and things like that. Um, you know, I, I don't, this is a hard one to call whether to say he, I, he he's a GOAT, but not the GOAT, if that makes sense. I definitely want to see this man in the UFC Hall of Fame, but I don't think that he's just going to be the best fighter of all time i i definitely have some people on on that list of uh anderson silva gsp randy couture you know there there's there's some legends that i i that i think if they were to fight in today's world it would have been a hundred percent that they would i mean they'd have goddamn action figures but the ufc was if you remember back 10 years ago ESPN laughed at the fact of ever talking about the UFC.
0: Mhm. Yeah, they did. They, they a good
1: were, thought at it. They were like no way in hell it this it's it's a it's a, a barbaric thing. And now they essentially own the UFC in in a very long drawn out way. Uh you know, so I mean it, it it's funny how the times change. But like I said, I think if we were to go back and and uh um uh, and, and revisit some things and put today's perspective of UFC onto uh, onto the, yesterday's fighters, I think it would be a different story. But, you know, it sucks. I'm sad to see him go. I'm happy he left as a champ. You know, if that's, if that's what his mother and father wanted, then, you know, then so be it. The only thing I'm bummed about is I was really looking forward to the rematch between uh, him and Conor McGregor. I was really, yeah. really looking forward. Because, you know, they... He essentially was going to be scheduled to fight the winner of the McGregor uh, prior battle. You know, it's coming up here soon. So we'll see what happens. You know, Uh, congratulations to him on winning. You know, he gets to walk out on the top of the mountain. Not a lot of people get to do that. So, you know, kudos to him for being one of the few in the proud. You know, so uh, enjoy your time off. Enjoy that $30 million you made. And uh, do whatever you guys do in Russia. Wrestle some bears, drink some vodka. I don't know. Walk around shirtless with Vladimir Putin. Whatever you guys do, man, just enjoy it.
0: And, and I, th- I think wait a minute. I'm getting breaking news. Chris has just been hired by the the Russian tourism agency. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> so I think he I, we'll visit the Kremlin. Oh, you can't do that, obviously. So he gave you alternatives. But you know, I'll just I'll just be real quick. I think you could put could be in the conversation. But I, I think with Bones, like I think sometimes, Chris, like you say with John, you know, with Bones, I think sometimes he was he, he was his own worst enemy. Still is to a certain degree, because I think like you talked about, sometimes you can hinder your own potential. Like sometimes life happens. And just like I use the example, like Ted Williams, Chris, could have had a longer baseball career, but he wouldn't have fought in war. Yeah. So imagine. So imagine if there wasn't World War Two going on. A lot of those guys, they wouldn't have played like 10, they could have played 20 year careers. But the reality is, it's it's, it's not the same thing. But that's an example of listen, that's just their obligation to their country. But sometimes we can hinder our own potential. And I think, but it could be, when it comes to family, I get it. That's why I say, when it came to, when, when I heard his speech, I understood every word he was saying. Because it's one of the reasons why I didn't play baseball. I stopped playing baseball, it was because of family and other things. Because sometimes, as much as you love a sport, there's something that are just bigger than sports. Some things are just long term. Your family's long term. Sports is always going to be great. It's going to always going to be there, with or without you. It's like a train that always keeps moving. But speaking of things that. Kept moving. I, I, we talked about this in post production. I just want to touch on it really quickly. You know, congrats to the Dodgers for winning the World Series. But I want to talk about something. I think, and I think Chris knows what I'm about to talk about because we kind of talked about it in our, in our, you know, in our production meeting, as I like to call them, because it sounds very professional and classy. I believe sometimes Chris in life. Like I said, we're both numbers people, but I believe also at the same time, Chris, we have to, we have to find balance between numbers and the eye test, because sometimes your numbers will tell you one thing, and when you look at it, it's the other. It's like when I look at quarterbacks, I look at their numbers, but I look at the eye test, because any you know listen, a lot of guys in college have thrown, seven, you know can throw five, six, seven hundred yards in a game. But the eye test could show you maybe, maybe there's some, a reason behind it. But going back to baseball, Chris, I, I believe that this, this has nothing to do with the Dodgers. This is an indictment on, and people are not going to like what I'm going to say, but I think Kevin Cash, the manager of the Rays, screwed his own team.
1: Oh, 100%. he, he shit to bed. Pull, pull, pulling him out like that, he, he cost he himself a World Series. He has no yeah. other but
0: himself. Yeah, and, 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 this, and, this, and we talked about this, and I'm going to simply explain why. Listen, Blake Snell, five in the third innings, earned run, two hits. He had nine strikeouts. He had 73 pitches before Kevin Cash pulled him out. Now, Chris, pulling him out is one thing. At that point in the game, Chris, the, the, the Rays were up one to nothing. The bottom of the six. Here's the thing, Chris. You bring in a guy, Nick Anderson, not to be confused with the great magic great Nick Anderson, but you bring in a reliever, Nick Anderson. And Nick Anderson has allowed at least one run in eight straight postseason games. That's the longest by any relief pitcher in the history of baseball. And baseball's been around a long time. And if you have to circle a moment, you know, and thanks to the people at Stathead for kind of circumventing this moment. And putting it as the, you know, the turning point of the game is when Nick, when Anderson faced Mookie Betts, and at the bottom of the six, it was the two count, runner on first. Like I said, one nothing Tampa, and then boom, a double is hit. Grounder, I think it was a double. I think it was a ground, it was a double. And at that point, Chris, the Dodgers' probability odds jumped 14 points to 56 percent. And then the Dodgers went on to win that game three to one. While you pulled a guy who only literally gave up an earn run, he Chris, I, this is what I'm not understanding, Chris. I understand what Kevin Cash. Listen, it's numbers, Chris, but sometimes numbers are your own worst enemy. And I and I'll sit here and say, guys like Tim Kirchner, guys who you know, have been following the game before we were born, are saying the same thing. This is not one of the instances, Chris. Where it's like you know, like what people are trying to say about baseball, it's the older people trying to hold the game back. No. What the point was being made, Chris, is simply this. Go, would you have pulled Roger if Roger Clemens had those numbers, Chris? Would you pull Roger Clemens out of a game? Absolutely. Those are legit If Bob the late grade Bob Gibson had those numbers, would you pull Bob Gibson out of that game?
1: That's a negative Ghost Rider.
0: The point is simply this. Numbers can be your biggest friend or your worst enemy. And I say and Kevin Cash, who I believe a former player, Kevin Cash, by the way. He's not one of those guys in the lab coach who the nerdy. No, he actually played the game, Chris. That's I think, Chris, that's what shocked me the most. A former player who, who's played the game made that move. If anybody should have been using the eye test, Chris, it should have been him. And he cost this organization a potential game seven to, to win a World Series. And the problem is, Chris, what numbers are doing to baseball more than any other sport is bad enough people say the sport is slow, Chris. And this doesn't help because you're, you're slowing the game down even worse. And, Chris, you're questioning human judgment when you're focusing on analytics. Like you're not trusting. It makes you not trust yourself. And listen, there are great managers. Listen, I'm not anti-numbers, Chris. I'm pro the fact of doing the right thing, balancing of the information. And In that is this, Chris. Blake Snell had, gave you the best chance to win, Chris. Yep. And then what happened? Then you look at the numbers and say, well, and Blake Snell, you here. I'm like, it's ridiculous. And if, you, and if you're a Tampa Bay fan, and if you support that, I'm not saying, listen, let's be clear. I'm not saying fire Kevin Cash. I don't, want, I don't want those tweets I don't want that all I'm saying is, is that I remember when, when people ragged on Dave Roberts for a few bad decisions in that world series you know, in, a, in a previous world series and people wanted his job that's not that situation Kevin Cash has to understand Chris, that was your ace you don't pull your ace out of a game I said, and people are like, oh, listen, Joe Torre would never have pulled Andy Pitt out of a game like that.
1: Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This, this, this pitch count or whatever excuse he was trying to use is just silly. Absolutely silly.
0: Yeah, and, and, and it's to the point, Chris, where, well, listen, like Tim, like Tim Curtis said the same thing I said. To a certain degree, Chris, we have to understand Balance. It's simply an issue of balance, Chris. Is is that no one's saying, oh, get mixers or all that out of the game. But listen, sometimes you got to look at the eye test. Numbers are, listen, money ball is, is great. But when it comes to figuring out, you know, matchups, Chris, this is the World Series. This is not like, I don't know if you recall the instance where Grady Little was to manage the Red Sox. And remember that game where he left Pedro Martinez out there to dry? That's an instance where the eye test should have told you to pull him out of the pool, Pedro, out of that game against the Yankees. Yep. At that point, the Yankees were just taking him to the cleaner. Yep. It felt like that old cartoon where this guy was lining up and hitting like a conga line.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I got that off my chest, thank goodness. But, but before, I, before we wrap up, I just want to talk about because we don't talk about wrestling and I'll just be real quick. I watched the Hell in a Cell pay per view over the weekend and I, I was i was watching that and watching sunday night football so i guess you can say my night was full so and i just want to say a few things it is, is that that pay-per-view first and foremost roman reigns wrestling fans will know this chris you can take a if you want to take a walk chris you can take a walk but if if is he still there? He's still there? Like,
1: no, i'm here man, i'm just listening. <laughs> I'm listening. I Kinda, got you. I'm i don't I'm not going to abandon ship.
0: Maybe. I thought Chris was gonna take a walk, we're like, oh I'll see you later. But but listen, like for Roman Reigns, who's arguably the you know, one of the part of the face of that company, put on a great match, that rivalry with his cousin. And I wasn't on board with the idea of a potential Roman Reigns, the rock match at WrestleMania. I was like, there's no way in the world you could pull it off. But after what I saw at that pe- at that pay-per-view, Chris, I'm like If you could pull it off, I'd watch. But that's one thing. And then listen, the women's match listen, the SmackDown women's championship match between Bailey and Sasha, two of the best wrestlers, not just in the company, but you could argue in, in wrestling today. Always went on a great match. Sasha won. That rivalry's over, but I don't feel it's over. And overall, Chris, I felt a lot of storylines either ended or potentially led to something else. And listen, people wrestling is not the same without fans, and I get it. But wrestling is a sport that, listen, it's entertainment. But these dudes, listen, these men and women can go and beat the crap out of each other. And listen, but there's a story to it. And it was pulled off perfectly. And I, for one, look, I've been watching it 25 years. And a lot of wrestling people who dedicate podcasts to wrestling said the same thing I did. That that pay-per-view was pretty good. So this is just me, the, the fan for 25 years. I'm letting you people know, listen, we could not WWE, AEW, whatever. But understand that you kind of got to grade this on the curve. Like There's a pandemic, people. There's, it's, it's real life happening. Happening to real people. And listen, all I'm saying, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view for what it was, it exceeded the expectations I had, and that's and I stand by that. And for the record, listen, I'll continually say this, just on a personal note. I that's why I said I went and bought a mask. I don't know if you've seen the picture I posted with me buying the fiend mask. You know, the safety mask. Because I love wrestling that I like the fiend, I like particularly the where they're going with that too. But that's my I sound like you this week, Chris. I I sound like you. But it's like where I talk about other like I don't know. It's not freaky Friday, tomorrow's Friday. <laughs> but but I said I sound like Chris. It's like but I just want to throw that in there. And anything else you want to say before we wrap up, my man? Ah, uh,
1: we got Atlanta, Carolina playing tonight, man. Who you uh, who you rolling with? Jeez, I was afraid
0: you were going to ask me that question. It's like can I sneak off the show without answering that question? <laughs>
1: but, Chris,
0: but Chris being the Chris being the Mike Wallace journalist of his generation is going to ask me the tough question. You know what, Chris? my gut, which has never let me down, is telling me Atlanta could win this football game. And I'm going to go with Atlanta, not because I don't don't like Carolina, because Matt Rule has this team playing so great without their best player that it's scary good. But I think Atlanta has been a lot more competitive. And if you kind of ignore that game against Detroit, where for the record, Todd Gurley, who's been in the league a long time, should have known to fall at the goal line to run the clock out. I'm not gonna get angry. I, I went off on Twitter. I'm not gonna get that angry about it again. But I think Atlanta short week for both teams. I think I think Atlanta picks themselves up. I think Matty Ice may have a good game. So I think I think the key to this game is going to be Matty Ice and Julio Jones and the direction, and he will go from there. So I'll go with Atlanta. What about you?
1: You know, this one, I I am legitimately split down the middle. So I, I I would absolutely love to see Matty Ice do his thing, especially the Calvin Ridley, just because of my own uh, pretentious reasons. But the only thing that scares me just a little bit in this game is it's going to be windy and it's going to be rainy. Mm-hmm. So uh, the ground game, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want the homeboy falling short of the goal line again. <laughs> um you know, and then with Davis, Davis has been on fire, but he started to fall off a little bit. I, You know, honestly, depending on how bad the weather is, if if the weather is is less shitty than I think it will be, I think Atlanta walks away. If it's just an outright mud bowl, I think Carolina is going to uh, uh, squeak this one by. I,
0: I you know, I, I agree with that simply because because of two things of what you said. I think the weather, and plus, Chris, I think Teddy Bridgewater being more mobile is a little X factor there as well, so that's a kind of an yeah. extra, extra piece of that running game as well, besides you know, Davis as well. So so once again, as we wrap up, check us out on social media. Go to Ask sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram. Go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash sports the world, and there will be a poll question this week. On the site and on on social media platforms, and you can check me out on my personal Twitter at ladders underscore brown, and Chris at and what's your what's your Twitter handle again, Chris?
1: Uh pretend UFC Twitter.
0: Listen, because I, I tell people because people say I can never find it. Listen, it's like Narnia; it exists, but it really doesn't exist. But you have to kind of go. So it is. It, it's there, folks, but it's hidden. But and so, just a reminder this time. I believe this time next week, you know, we, listen. If you haven't voted, I know it sounds like a broken record. Go vote. If you haven't voted already, vote. vote. well, at this point, I think most states you're kind of. You, if you haven't voted in mail or haven't you're not going to vote early, you go to the polls. Poll forever. Who you want to vote for? Have you like? I say study issues, do all of that jazz, and take advantage of it because this time next. This time next week, if I'm not mistaken, you know we will have a president. So
1: possibly, possibly, how,
0: po- possibly. Well, I, I like to be optimistic. Earlier in the show, I was optimistically pessimistic. Now I'm going to be optimistic.
1: There you
0: so it. there you go. So, <laughs> so, folks, until you hear us again, I'm Madarius. I'm Chris. Be real. Be you. Be blessed, and more importantly, be a voter. From all of us here at the Sports and the World Podcast. See ya!